Euronet Plus Panorama is a weekly review of European news broadcast by our network of EU radio stations. Hi there, I'm Joe Neville. Welcome to this week's Panorama podcast. With the European elections now exactly a year away, the countdown has begun. Brussels is intent on maximising turnout while minimising external interference. Eurobarometer has just published the results of its Spring 2023 survey. These demonstrate that overall European citizens have an enduring attachment to democratic values. But that is not all the survey shows, the European Parliament's campaign's director, Philippe Schulmeister, points out. Luxembourg's 100.7 shares his comments. 56% today would say, I'm interested in these European elections, plus of six percentage points compared to five years ago. And the youth interest, which is very interesting for us also, equally increases by 6% from 43% to 49% in 2023. So again, from the point of interest, a very promising starting position, at least for the political discourse and debate that is to be had over the next year. Not only do more than half of survey respondents claim to be actively interested in the June 2024 elections, but two-thirds of them are actually intending to vote. This is positive news, bearing in mind that the 2019 turnout just scraped past 50%. So what might be behind this upswing? Bulgarian National Radio asks Goran Georgiev, an analyst at Bulgaria's Centre for the Study of Democracy, for his take on the survey results. There are several factors behind these results. On the one hand, there is a greater commitment to EU policy. This is partly due to the war in Ukraine, which has the effect of a geopolitical catastrophe, and it is a natural reaction for people to become more politically active. At the same time, we see a growing polarization of society, and this is evident in opinions about the EU, about NATO, and about various other geopolitical issues. Positive opinions are growing, but negative opinions too. And this is certainly to the detriment of the more neutral people in the middle. Cuckoo Radio interviews S&D MEP Sven Mixa, who was formerly Estonia's foreign minister, on the same subject. Mixa sees the polarisation highlighted by Georgiev playing out in the next European Assembly too. And he points out the risks involved. Without a doubt, if the European Parliament is more fragmented, if there are more Eurosceptic, populist, extremist forces, whether on the right wing or the left wing, then this will certainly weaken Europe's ability to deal with issues and maintain unity, for example, when resisting Russian aggression. Of course, a higher voter turnout generally means more of the centre ground making it to the polling booths which helps to dilute some of these extremes. And with this in mind, a week ago, on the 1st of June, MEPs issued a call for a coordinated strategy to increase the EU's resilience to foreign interference and information manipulation in the run-up to the election. Mixa explains that the European Parliament is less concerned about foreign powers' more obvious attempts at influencing the political process than about their more subtle forms of influence. Certainly some of these attempts at influence are primitive and relatively transparent, 
but there are also somewhat more subtle, less predictable ones. They're not all associated with sledgehammer-like state propaganda, which openly emphasizes Kremlin or Beijing talking points and tries to convince people that these are correct and true. It is often enough simply to raise doubts on social media. It's enough to ask a few questions that may not have convincing answers. After all, almost anything that creates tension and controversy in democratic societies or contributes to political polarization or people's alienation from state power is fine by them. Yet the Estonian member believes that influencing the European elections is probably less of a priority for hostile third countries than influencing key national elections. Austria springs to mind where politicians were quite ready to accept support that they knew was coming from hostile third countries in Europe. The same willingness is certainly present in some other political forces. And this is why this opportunity must be taken very seriously. If, for example, we think about Russia's ongoing aggression against Ukraine, the European Union's sanctions against Russia are based on the unanimity of member states, and we can already see how, for example, one of the more pro-Russian governments, namely Hungary, is prepared to block an EU consensus in certain cases. It would certainly be in the interests of the Kremlin and Putin if there were more emergency breaks like this. But as EU governments begin to crack down on any suspicion of links with dubious regimes, there is a risk that such initiatives could be used more nefariously. In other words, to quash internal opposition. Indeed, debates are raging in Poland over a new law that creates a special committee to look into past foreign influence in Polish politics. The law criminalises any form of communication with foreign intelligence without this term being properly defined, something that could make Donald Tusk, the leader of the opposition party Civic Platform and former president of the European Council, ineligible for political office in Poland for 10 years to come. This Wednesday, the 7th of June, the European Commission launched an infringement procedure against Poland on the basis that this new law, which has been dubbed Lex Tusk by its opponents, violates EU law. At a press conference later the same day, Poland's Minister for EU Affairs, Szymon Szynkowski-Welsenk, insisted that Poland, as the largest EU country neighbouring Russia, is not only within its rights to take this action, but has a moral obligation to do so. Polsky Radio reports. We will explain our position to the European Commission and share arguments that, I hope, will unite all democratic member states and all democratic EU institutions. The goal that should unite us all is investigating how far Russian influence has reached in the past in various countries and preventing such Russian influence from determining policy in the future. Should Hungary be allowed to take over the EU presidency in the second half of 2024, as planned, even though it's in hot water over rule of law violations? For six months, the presidency's role is to steer the council's legislative process to ensure continuity in the agenda. According to the council website, to do this, the presidency must act as an honest and neutral broker. However, since Viktor Orban's National Conservative Party, Fidesz, came to power in Hungary in 2010, it has introduced a string of measures that run counter to the EU's democratic values, not to mention its treaty. 
the European Commission has progressively stepped up the pressure against Budapest. It has, for instance, triggered Article 7 of the EU Treaty, which can suspend a member state's voting rights in the Council, although this has not yet come to a vote. It has also withheld nearly 28 billion euros of EU funds from Hungary. And on the 1st of June, the European Parliament passed a resolution by a large majority questioning whether Hungary has the credibility to hold this critical EU role. As lawyer and lecturer Elise Bernard explains to France's Radio, if the member state presiding over the union is not a fully-fledged democracy, this could be a real embarrassment for the bloc. MEPs fear a number of things. Firstly, that this presidency will spend most of its energy blocking legislative processes, but even more importantly, that it will be brutally discredited on the international stage. How can Prime Minister Viktor Orban be allowed to provide political direction for six months for the EU, which he depicts as a rebirth of the Third Reich? But any suspension of rights in this regard requires a unanimous vote of all other EU leaders. Warsaw has so far opposed such a move. But in the light of Orban's openness towards Russia, Bernard suggests that it may no longer be willing to turn a blind eye. Without going into detail, this attitude has cost Orbán the support of its ally up until now, the Polish government. Because while they both pursue, let's say, a similar model of European society, Budapest's complacency towards Moscow is intolerable for Warsaw. Without going into detail, it's easy to imagine that many MEPs, even those of a similar political persuasion, will not be able to support Hungary for much longer. This just goes to show that political strategies in Europe are no match for the ideals of peace and the fundamental principle of the right to security. Last week's resolution called on the Council to find an appropriate solution as soon as possible and suggested that Parliament would take further action if one is not found. Yet Juozas Olekas, a Lithuanian Social Democrat MEP, acknowledges that the European Parliament does not have the power to strip Hungary of its council presidency. According to the treaty, all 27 countries must agree to this, which is actually very complicated because these 27 countries include Hungary itself. But even if that cannot be achieved, there are various ways of taking a stand. In meetings, when presenting positions and, of course, during visits and other activities in which the presidency is involved, there is a lot that can be done. So, it seems to me that it is early enough, with more than a year still to go, that Parliament has made its position very clear, and that this is one of the ways of applying pressure. You can't disregard the views of the representatives of all of Europe's citizens. That's all for this week. Do join us next week for another look at current affairs from a Euronet Plus perspective.